Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, reader. I've got a special treat for you. A bonus author visit episode featuring the author and illustrator of the beautiful, creative, and imaginative Lola Dutch books from Bloomsbury Children's Books. We frequently have authors visit our store and local schools, and when they do, we want to make sure that you get to meet them too. These author visit episodes may not be as action-packed as our Reading Bug Adventures together, but they are a great opportunity to meet some new authors who inspire our adventures and to learn all about what they've written and how they write. On this episode, we get to meet Kenneth and Sarah Jane Wright, the married author and illustrator of the Lola Dutch books, inspired by their four delightfully creative children. Sarah Jane is also a successful textile designer with a massive Instagram following, whose work can be found at sarahjanestudios.com, and we're thrilled to speak with both of them today. Reader, are you ready to hear from Kenneth and Sarah Jane? Then what are we waiting for? Let's fly to our bookstore together. It's time for a Reading Bug Adventures author visit. Of course, Reading Bug. Anything. Great. Okay. What do you think I should be when I grow up? I'm thinking maybe I could be a famous movie star. Or maybe a scientist. Or a fearless aviator. Or maybe an archaeologist. Oh me, oh my, there are just so many options. How will I ever decide? What do you think? Reading Bug, relax. You don't have to make up your mind right now. You can try a little bit of everything and see what you love most. You know, my friends Sarah Jane and Kenneth Wright started as performers, but Kenneth became a teacher and an author, and Sarah Jane became a designer and an illustrator. Did you say Kenneth and Sarah Jane Wright? Is that the same Kenneth and Sarah Jane Wright who wrote the Lola Dutch books? Yes, that's right. Hey, have you been reading the newest book, Lola Dutch, when I grow up? Yes, I love Lola Dutch. She is whimsical, strong, and so much fun. And I learned from her that I can be anything I want to be. Just like me, she can't decide what she wants to be when she grows up. That's right, Reading Bug. 
Kenneth and Sarah Jane Wright created the energetic and creative Lola Dutch character in their first book, Lola Dutch is a Little Bit Much, and she's back in a second book, Lola Dutch When I Grow Up, both from Bloomsbury Children's Books. Remember, they visited the store in some of our local schools. Oh yes, that's right. I'd love to see them again. Well, good news. You can, because here they come. Oh wow. Hi, Sarah Jane. Hi, Kenneth. Hi. Hello, Reading Bug. Hi, Lauren. We're so excited to be here. The Reading Bug and I are here today with Sarah Jane and Kenneth Wright, the author and illustrator of the Lola Dutch picture book series from Bloomsbury Publishing. Welcome, you guys. Hello. Hi, we're so excited to be talking with you today. This is great. So I I definitely want to talk to you about your two picture books. But before we get there, um, I'm hoping you can give us a little bit of background. You guys have so much going on. Um, Sarah Jane, you have an incredible fabric line and a website at sarahjanestudios.com. And it came before this. And Kenneth, I know you were a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yep, still am. Good. So can you start from the beginning, um, each one of you, and just tell us where you came from, how you met. This could be a great long story, but whatever you want to tell us about yourselves and how you came to be authors. Sure. Well, I I grew up in California and Sarah grew up in Maryland and we actually met at college and lo and behold, we were both musical theater majors. And what happened is actually our very first day of freshman year, uh, I walked into a musical vocal performance class and Kenneth sat right behind me and um, he needed to borrow some music for an upcoming um, class performance and asked to borrow some music and the rest is history. And it makes it sound like I really wasn't prepared, but I wasn't told I was supposed to bring music the first day, but I was lucky because Sarah showed up with a massive three inch thick binder full of music and uh, she's been bailing me out ever since. So what was exciting about our relationship is we actually um, began, we, we began as friends and we'd perform together, but we would also choreograph and direct local musical productions at private schools and public schools. So we actually met and became close friends by working with kids. That's great. And uh, now we're married. We live in Utah and we have four amazingly creative, energetic children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, before, after we got married, uh, Kenneth was in graduate school getting his uh, master's degree. And I needed to um, work from home, but I didn't, I didn't want to leave my two little kids at home. So I started an illustration business where I sold my art prints and other designs on Etsy. And that led to um, being a fabric designer, as well as a children's book illustrator and designing other products like wallpaper and jewelry uh, with my designs on them, all to um, support Ken in graduate school. But that turned into a love of itself. Exactly. And I have, I've always loved teaching and I've loved theater and I've directed lots of shows, choreographed lots of shows, and I've always been teaching. Uh, but then Sarah started illustrating books and I've always loved picture books. And finally, we just started working on projects together. And uh, the first one that we did was Lola Dutch. It's an absolute blast to work on it together. The second one is already out and the third one is coming out uh, in December. Oh, excellent. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about before we get more into the books, um, musical theater. You guys, it's such a neat place to start out. Do you, how do you feel that theater prepared you for where you guys are right now? I think that's a great question because when you're working in a theater, it doesn't really matter what part you're playing. Everyone is part of this amazing story. And Kenneth and I were both um, singers and dancers and actors. As an artist in high school, I also did the sets for my high school. And when you're in a musical theater production, you have to think of things like setting and character development and the arc of the story and and, uh, how to make the audience stay engaged. And so our experience in live theater 
really prepared us for the picture book world because the picture book really is a live theatrical experience when it's being read. We we love the idea of walking into a theater. It's a blank stage. It's completely open and you get to create this world from scratch. And Sarah and I think of writing books very much the same way. She starts with a blank piece of paper and I start with an empty Word document. And we very much are crafting a theatrical experience between the reader and the book and the parent and the child uh, and everything from the page turn to the beats, you know, before the joke hits and the landing and the arc and the climax. Uh, I'd say theater is probably our biggest influence because uh, neither of us were trained initially as writers, but we are storytellers. And I think as you read the books, you, you see that theatrical background come through. I think that's so interesting, actually, to think of a picture book as a theatrical production, because that's exactly what every picture book really needs. Mm -hmm. And I think what you guys have done has really, um, it, it really shows in the pictures and it really shows in the story that you've created. Sarah Jane, you have an incredible following on Instagram um, and people adore your art. How does it feel to be where you are today? Did you think this is where you would go? Um, you know, when I very first started, uh, like I said, I had the initial plan to just, I was actually teaching voice lessons from home and it got really hard to have my kids in high chairs watching me sing with other students and they weren't able to sing with me. It got to be a little bit uh, hard for my babies at home. And so I actually switched immediately from teaching voice lessons full time to opening up an Etsy shop. And it's interesting because initially the the plan was I needed, I need a job. And, and this is my first love really is illustration. Um, and I had a vague idea of where I wanted to go. I knew ultimately actually that I wanted to illustrate picture books, but I had no uh, network. I had no information on how to do that. So I just started, I just had to kind of get started. Um, I'll be honest. I don't really consider myself successful. I think success is really defined um, by being satisfied with where you are. And as a creative and as an artist, Lauren, I'm, I'm sure you can relate. You're never really satisfied because there's always something new to create and to come up with. That's so true. There are times when you're satisfied and then you get itching to do the next project and you just have to go for it. So, I just love your Lola Dutch books, but I'm amazed you have time to write them. You have four children and you write the books together. How do you find the time? So like Kenneth had talked about um, how we really have to dedicate designated family time to be together. I mean, it's not always that formal. It sounds pretty formal, but Kenneth being a school teacher, he has summers off. And so one thing we also notice is that as a married couple, it's really hard to work together and trying to raise four kids at the same time, because if one of us is working, the other one is watching the kids or vice versa. So while we write and illustrate um, books together, we have to really cut out time. And sometimes that looks like going away for a weekend or uh, if we're on vacation, say with grandma and grandpa, maybe taking a day and going to the bookstore or the library and working um, together. So the time that we actually work together happens at home, but it also really happens um, on getaways because mm -hmm. having the kids around, we, our priority is our kids, our priority is our family. And so it just, um, it's harder to come by. Yeah. I feel like we could have an entire 
hour long podcast about this. I feel like we should start another podcast. I could talk for days. All the things we try that don't work and then all the next things we try that work maybe a little bit better. Oh, there is so much here. I'll just say this really quick to finish up. I mean, we could talk about this, like you said, for weeks on end. Um, Ken and I made a commitment when we very first started that family was always going to come first. And in the 12 years that I've been doing this, and now my oldest is 14 and my youngest is five, but I started this when my oldest was two. Um, in all the years I've done this, I've made the com- we've made the commitment to put family first. And sometimes that looks like missing a conference or not doing the trade show, or maybe something is not as good as we wanted it to be. Um, but it has always worked out in our benefit when we've chosen to put family first. So for anyone out there who's considering this or is in the middle of this, or even kids who want to have a career in this someday, um, it's the kind of thing that you can do. But putting family first has always been successful. Reading fits into this so nicely too. And I know you guys prioritize reading in your house and sitting and bonding and reading with your child is probably the the best thing you can do, right? I know you guys do this all the time. Absolutely. Any favorite books you've read to your kids lately? Oh, there's plenty. Uh, right now, the one I'm reading to my nine-year-old, we're actually just reading Harry Potter. Nice. Uh, she's she's never read the book, and it's just fun to sit there. And that's our nightly ritual. We we snuggle up. In fact, sometimes she even likes. We'll we'll light candles just to give it that that Harry Potter esque witchy atmosphere, and she just loves it. Uh, other kids. They, they have different preferences and we just read all the time. Uh, Olivia is a big hit. Uh, Elephant and Pig. Uh, Mo Willems is always good for a laugh. We read a lot of classics. Uh, Frog and Toad, Dr. Seuss. And Black Search Beauty. And, yes, Black Beauty. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, we love this concept of reading creates connection. And with being as busy as Kenneth and I are, one way that we can immediately get a child in our lap and that snuggle time is with reading. And in this busy digital world, it's often counterintuitive because you think, oh, they're fine watching Netflix. Everything's good. I'll clean the kitchen. But when you choose to read with your child, it creates connection, but it also creates opportunities for talking and, and expressing. The child can express themselves. So we've found reading time to be critical to our family life simply because Kenneth and I run really busy lives. And bedtime is such a perfect time to do it because you need them to power down. You need them to wind down. But there's something so beautiful about ending your day snuggled up next to a child. And they have no question in their mind where your priorities are because they are snuggled right there with you. They have your complete attention. And you two just go on this magical journey together. And there's just some of the most priceless memories. They they love it. I love it. And it's it's priceless. Yeah. We're in that Harry Potter world at our house right now too with our 10-year-old who and it, I'm I'm taking that candle thing because I think that you're creating the full-on theatrical experience. That's brilliant. <laughs> there, yeah, maybe it is. It's the theater geek in me. I, I have to get the lighting right, even for the book. I think we will right? geek out right with you. That is that is way too much fun. Sarah Jean, I'm looking at your beautiful first Lola Dutch book right now. Lola Dutch is a little bit much, but since mm-hmm. this is a podcast. No one else who is listening can see it. Can you tell everyone about some of the special features of the book, especially the book's cover? When we were creating Lola Dutch, um, and for those readers who haven't read the books yet, Lola Dutch is a little bit much. Her imagination, her creativity, and she's just over the top in everything that she wants to dive into and learn. She's extremely curious. And so when we created these books, we knew that children would want to be just like Lola and they'd want to learn more and do more and create because in the stories, when Lola reads a book, 
she makes something or she does something with what she's read. The very, very first scene on the title page of the first book, she's sliding down the banister with a French cookbook and she's on her way to make a big, you know, seven course French breakfast. And so the concept of read a book that inspires you to be creative is something we wanted to actually apply to the stories themselves. And so when you take the dust jacket off of the Lola Dutch books, it actually becomes a puppet theater. Cue our theater background. And and it allows children to not just read the story and then put it back, but to read the story and to continue on with their own creative story making and to play with Lola and her friends. I love that. So uh, tell us a little bit about how um, the Lola Dutch character came to be. So Lola is, it's funny, sometimes people will ask us when we're out on tour, they'll look at Sarah and be like, so are you Lola? And then they'll look at me and say, are you Bear? Is Bear sort of like the caretaker, the the, the stable one who always kind of provides the, the safe place to land and helps her clean up all the crazy messes? Uh, the fortunate and unfortunate thing is both of us are Lola. Both of us are kind of over the top, creative stuff all over the place. And we would do the same thing with our kids. And yeah, it creates absolute chaos at times because there's just stuff everywhere. We're so curious. We want to learn everything and try everything. And we notice our kids were the same way. Uh, we did have, and the child shall remain nameless, one child was a little bit more hesitant. They were a little scared to try things. They were a little scared to make things because what if it isn't good or what if it isn't perfect or what if it doesn't turn out right? Uh, so we created Lola for a couple reasons. One was just to give a green light to kids who are already super ultra creative and just to give them, how do you say? An, a an, champion. Yeah, a champion, an archetype that's just like them. But we also wanted to show those kids who maybe aren't as courageous and maybe a little more cautious that it's okay to make a mess and it's okay to try stuff and it's okay if it doesn't turn out right. And that's one of the things with Lola. She doesn't make everything perfect. Things break. Things don't turn out well. Things are flops. Her imagination is pretty big, but it is big. Yeah. The idea though, is that, um, that we wanted to really encourage kids to stay creative. Mm -hmm. Kids are creative naturally, but you know, as well as I do, once you kind of, um, start the growing up. Sometimes children forget that creativity is essential. And so we wanted to encourage that creativity to continue through childhood. Yeah. Little babies, they want to know everything. They grab it, they put it in their mouth, they're crawling everywhere. And I noticed as a teacher, uh, I'd watch kids, you know, I, I teach junior high and I noticed the kids that came from households where they were allowed to be curious and explore. And then I started noticing a dangerous trend uh, probably about 10 years ago. And it's, and it's been getting worse that the kids who come from homes where all they do is just consume. They just passively consume screens, screens, mostly screens. And that's all they do is they just consume, but they never actually make anything. Their curiosity starts to die. And I used to do these these projects with kids where I, I call it a curiosity project. Maybe, what are you curious about? What do you wonder about? And I kept having an increasingly, you know, a, a large number of kids come back and say, oh, I don't know what I'm curious about. Or, I'm not curious about anything. And red lights just started going off all over the place. And I would do things to try to help them. But Sarah and I really talked about it, that the way to prevent that kind of apathy, that intellectual apathy from happening is to encourage curiosity when they're young. So it just gets so strong that they never lose it. So that's why we made Lola Dutch. But Lola Dutch stands for this quote, which I love so much. Creativity takes courage. And in this world, we talk so much about 
courage, right? Brave girl. And we got to stand up for what we believe in and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? It takes a lot of courage to be creative. So the the courage it takes to be creative starts young. And that's where Lola Dutch uh, came from. Mm-hmm. You guys being just like Lola Dutch still have so much creativity and so many ideas, I'm sure, inside your head every moment. Do you have, um, I know there's plans for another Lola Dutch book, but do you have plans for either more characters in the next Lola Dutch book or new characters or new books coming up? Yeah, we have the third book, which will come out, I believe it's slotted for December 2019, but I think it will most likely be available uh, early 2020. Um, which is really exciting. That's called Lola Dutch. I love you so much. And that's going to explore Lola's um, creativity with uh, nurturing relationships. So she has to be creative on how to um, help her friends in in different ways. You know, every every great story, you got to have a problem. And so as we were looking at Lola's world and how she gets overwhelmed by things, we were just... We were just thinking of ideas. What what could happen to her? And we have this idea. What would happen if Lola wakes up? And she has these great friends, Gator, Pig, Crane, who are just her willing sidekicks through everything. But we thought, what if she wakes up one morning and all of them are just grumpy? They are just in a funk and they are just mad at the world. What, what would Lola do? So this one is, is a lot about emotional intelligence and her trying to be creative on how do you help your friends when they're really, really down? Um, Kenneth and I care a lot about, you know, um, kids and emotional development is something that we care a lot about. So we don't have any more stories slotted just yet, but we're working on other stories that have other characters, um, that deal with questions like how do you handle failure and how do you do hard things? Mm -hmm. So, uh, the trajectory of, you know, create, uh, Creativity Takes Courage, um, is probably something you'll see more and more books about. Yeah, we have a very large file and growing file of stories that we keep writing, and it's you know, we're never running out of ideas. We're just running out of time. It takes a yes, long time. that's what it is. <laughs> I know. Speaking of which, how long does it take you to do um, a whole Lola Dutch book? What's the process there? We tell kids that it's just an easy number to remember. We tell kids that mm-hmm. one book takes one year. And the reason is, is because when you're working with an editor and an art director, as well as um, just the back and forth that it takes with the printing process, um, for me, it takes one year for the illustrations and the drafts and the final art and all the editing of the manuscript. Now, after that, it takes six months to a year. Well, I guess a year to get the book printed. So oftentimes when a book comes out, it started 18 months to two years. Usually the, the first draft of the story I wrote was actually written 18 months to maybe two years before the book actually hits the shelf. So, so yeah. I think some people might be a teensy weensy little bit faster. We, we really care about crossing our T's and dotting our I's and making these books really um, have depth and meaning and that they're beautiful. And so, yeah, we would start Lola Dutch in January, and we would finish everything up the following January. Exactly. And if that's the only thing we were doing, we would get it done a whole lot faster. But that's just one of many projects that we're working on. Of course, because I wouldn't expect anything less of you. (laughs) So um, last year uh, with the first book, um, The Reading Bug had the chance to take you guys to some of our local schools. And kids, I'm sure you agree, have the best questions. Um, So we've touched on a lot of them here, but... I'm wondering if we can get the kids to get to know you better by asking each of you four questions separately. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Sarah Jane, let's start with you. Your favorite food? Fresh raspberries off the bush, hands down. 
closely followed by creme brulee. Oh, that's good too. <laughs> I know that. If we ever go to a restaurant, I look at the menu, she'll stare at the dessert menu for 10 minutes and then always order the creme brulee. But then I put raspberries on top, so it's a win-win. Yes. True. Okay. <laughs> favorite color? My favorite color is uh, there's a certain color of the ocean on a stormy day that I don't have a name for. I should probably name, but it's a mix between a jewel and a slate blue. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Favorite fabric print you've ever made? Oh, this is a really hard question. My favorite fabric print that I've ever made, I think is an actually, actually it's simply a floral pattern called placade, which is um, Swedish for bouquet, I think, or flowers. And it is reminiscent for me of a floral print in my grandmother's house that I grew up um, sleeping in her sheets in the summers. And should I ask, is this up on your website, something we can view? Because I know it, it sounds beautiful. We'd love to see it. Um, yeah, I, uh, you can go to sarahjanestudios.com and you can scroll down to the, uh, sorry, scroll up and click textiles and underneath, um, textiles, you can scroll down to the collection called summer, but it's spelled S O M M E R. And, um, you can see it there. Perfect. And Kenneth, your favorite food, my favorite food. I, I'm a foodie. So that's really hard. That's like asking me to choose my favorite child. How about three foods? uh, foods. Uh, I will say I love chocolate. I am a huge chocolate fan. I also love to bake. So I would say homemade bread. Uh, so between those two, they're so good for you. I promise. <laughs> and your favorite color? Favorite color. Color of Sarah's eyes. Oh, what color is Sarah's eyes? It's true. She has blue eyes. Aww. You know what? My eyes are the same color as that flake blue. <laughs> I know. I was. I didn't. I didn't want to chime in. She's like, I don't really have a name for that color. And I said, I do. It's called Sarah Eye Color. Oh. Next fabric print. My favorite for, oh, oh, yeah. for her. I thought you were asking me what my favorite fabric. Oh, well, I would like was. to know your favorite as well. Sure, I do. There's what it's called. It's called Fireflies. It's uh, yeah. from the We Wander collection. It's it's a bunch of kids out. It's a border print uh, catching fireflies. And I grew up in California, but I went to live in Virginia for a while, and I had never seen fireflies before. And that print just captures the magic of of that phenomenon of fireflies coming out at night. The art geek in me is coming out now. And I was just want to say that I think prints in general, and I know you know this, is that prints are so personal and it sounds like everyone mm. has their favorite and there are so many different ones, right? Yeah. So uh, Kenneth, last question for you. Favorite teaching moment? Favorite teaching moment. I see, I've, I've taught for 17 years and I would have to say just collectively best teaching moment is when there's a kid who's been struggling with something that's really hard for a really long time and they finally get it mm-hmm. When they finally get it and they see that that accomplishment. So that little brightening of the eyes of them realizing I just did something that before I didn't know how to do that collectively is my favorite thing about teaching period. And finally, you guys, um, each of you, if you want to answer this separately or together, um, if you had one bit of advice to give to imaginative kids who want to write their own stories, what would it be? Well, I would say just start and don't think about it. I know a lot of kids who get really excited about writing stories or drawing pictures, but it's really hard to just start drawing because maybe we're afraid that we're going to get it wrong or it won't look right. Well, I would just say that the best advice I could give is to just start drawing or just start writing and it will take you somewhere that sketch or that doodle will make you think of another idea or that sentence will make you think of another story or another idea and the the model really is to just begin 
Probably the best advice I've heard actually came from a friend of mine, Jake Parker. He's an illustrator uh, who actually lives in the same community. We're good friends with him. And he created a video called Finished Not Perfect. And so for anybody that wants to do any kind of creative endeavor, watch it. It's a short YouTube video, Finished Not Perfect by Jake Parker. And it talks about the most important thing in any creative endeavor is to make sure you just have a start, you have a middle, and you have an end. And you just have to get really good at finishing things. Uh, starting things is easy. And I think a handicap of mine is starting too many projects and not finishing them. So for anybody who's starting, what's so important is finish stuff. Even if it's not perfect, it's fine. Just get used to having a beginning, a middle, and an end. I have files and files of stories that I think are good. I have tons that I think are terrible, but it's okay. You just have to get good at beginning, middle, and end. Finished, not perfect. And over time, they'll just get better and better and better. That sounds good to me. Well, Sarah Jane and Kenneth Wright, thank you so much for being with us today. You can buy Lola Dutch and Lola Dutch When I Grow Up at your local independent bookstore or at thereadingbug.com. And don't forget to visit Sarah's site, sarahjanestudios.com. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Okay, thanks so much. Bye, Reading Bug. Bye. A very special thank you to Kenneth and Sarah Jane Wright for visiting with us today. To find and buy all the great Lola Dutch books, visit their page at thereadingbug.com slash authors. Reading Bug author visits are recorded live in our children's bookstore, The Reading Bug, in San Carlos, California. Please continue to support us at thereadingbug.com and support independent booksellers whenever you can. For a personalized selection of books handpicked by me and the rest of the Reading Bug staff and delivered to your door each month, you can visit readingbugbox.com. Thanks, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? <laughs> We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. <laughs> New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.